You're listening to Soul Work with San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. Now, if you want to live, lead, and love better in your life, you're in the right place. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the number one reason why following Jesus feels so hard. This is not taught enough, and I've had it. Today's show is going to take the pressure off of you. So you ready? Let's work. Say fam, I'm hoping everyone is living well. Now, I was closing out last week's show and I talked about trying short ribs for the first time. And I am pleased to announce that they came out tasting like, yes, Lord. Okay. (laughs) Shout out to that daggone pressure cooking Instapot. It has been a wonder. Best Christmas gift. I seared them first, but after throwing them things in there, hey, God. Now, Ruth said it tasted like one of the mothers made it. And my elders tried it and her eyes rolled in the back of her head. And I feel like that's the universal language for my God, this is good. Now, listen, I didn't always cook like this, y'all. So you got to let me have my moment. I remember back in the day when Rue and I were just friends. This is years ago. A group of us were hanging out in my parents' house and I decided I was going to make a ground turkey pasta dish. Well, I didn't know that you got to season, season ground turkey, right? Like it's not like ground beef. Needless to say... Uh, we ordered pizza that night. All right. They were honest enough to let me know. Nah, son, this ain't the one. Like one friend in particular, he looked at me and was like, hey, maybe next time. <laughs> Ooh, those were the days. Suffice it to say, I've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord and a little Lowry's. Bless his name. All right. Now, before we dive into the show, I want to ask y'all about this. I threw it up on Facebook earlier this week because I really wanted to know if we're ready to face some truths or numbers at least. Okay, I listened to a panel that my sister in love was a part of, and they essentially discussed millennials in the church. Now, at one point, the host asked the panel if they thought once the pandemic ends and the church doors open again, will people go back to attending regularly every week? It was all millennials, about four or five of them, and everyone unanimously said no. Now, even though I've been reading some of the data through Barna research and other experts tracking church trends because I'm mildly obsessed about this topic, I got to admit I was still a little surprised. And I got a lot of feedback from the question, mostly not in my comment section. People were reaching out via DMs or text messages, just sharing why they would or would not go back to regular attendance. Now, we'll probably talk about this topic from time to time because, again, I am mildly obsessed, but it centers around a question I ask myself almost weekly, especially when raising the Pope crew, looking at them and figuring out the question. Here's what it is. What is church going to look like 15 to 20 years from now? And are we stewarding this opportunity well to ensure her health? Now, to be clear, the church is Jesus's bride, and he done explained already that she will never be defeated. But that doesn't mean that we don't pay attention to her current condition. Now, because of everything changing, technology disrupting so much, lifestyle, work, entertainment, and other areas of personal convenience and connection, it was already beginning to change from times before. But the pandemic, it only accelerated that. So the question is, what should our stance be? Now, I don't have all the answers right now because I think it's really more important to just ask questions, but I do want to share this observation. It may be time for us 
to simply evaluate or reevaluate our model. A lot of churches, they have their programming every week and they wait for people to come to them. But that model's dead. Like if you look around in every other facet of life, whatever people want comes to them. And I think it's time we do the same. It's not because other people do it. We're not copying the world, but it's because that's what Jesus did. He went fishing and then he made fishes of men. And I think it's time to make church compelling again, loving and accommodating, actually meeting the needs of the people through service and corporate worship and not some of the extra fluff that's no longer helpful. It's just a habit. For example, specifically the black church, because that's where I was born and raised in, we'd have longer services. You'd be in there for the day. Now, there's a history of why that was helpful then, and it was very valuable decades ago. But is this still a necessary practice now? It's at least worth asking. Now, hear me with healthy ears. This is by no means me bashing the church. I love church and I miss, I mean, I miss being in the company with the saints. As much as streaming is useful, you simply cannot, I mean, you cannot duplicate the move of Holy Spirit in his house. Now, of course, he stops on by our own houses and he visits with us individually. But man, when we're united, hands and hearts lifted, voices filled with praise, is there anything sweeter? That be three them daggone toms and even our ability to take a CCM song and season the stew up out of it. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing, I mean nothing, like the black church. May we never lose that experience. And may we never lose our sound. But if we want to reach, teach, and disciple like he commanded us to do, then it may be worth asking the next generation for their insight. We may need to start doing some things and stop doing others. It's past time to have uncomfortable conversations on how to evangelize and disciple for the times that are here and the times that are to come. See, the world is not getting easier. So, Are we preparing our children biblically to live in but not of this world through a healthy relationship with their local church and community? Again, that's just my two cents for now. We'll keep talking about it more. And if you want to hit me up, hello at soulworkwithson.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, too. All right. All right. Now, last week's episode, we talked about what really makes us who we are, like really makes us who we are. And that's what we love. We're lovers first, not doers. Now, this is crucial because we discover that what we love, we worship and what we worship, we become. This season is all about spiritual formation because I think it's more crucial than ever before to be rightly formed. Without it, life could get dismal. Stuff already happens to all of us, but there's an advantage to the believer that has proper foundation and understanding of what they're going through to help them get through it without the typical residual effects. Now, since we tackled the truth about our love life last week, hey, alliteration, it's good to see you. (laughs) Let's chat about one of the biggest barriers of entry to a richly formed life in Christ, and that is trying. You know, Trying to live right, 
trying to run on, trying to make it, trying to please God. But none of that trying language lines up with a right life with Christ. So here are three things we need to know about trying versus training. Or another way I'll refer to it is practice. But again, alliteration, trying versus training. (laughs) Let's get to number one. Jesus never, ever told us to try, but he did tell us to practice. Now, this does two things. One, it gives us a deeper understanding of the kind personhood of Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 5 and all the way through Matthew 7, a.k.a. the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, it's easy to look at the commands he gives and our first thought be, yo, is he serious? Like, who can actually accomplish this? You mean I can't and I shouldn't? And even if I look, then I did? But here's the thing. Look again, friend. This is our compassionate Savior and Lord. He's letting us know that he's aware of all human feelings, lusts, and temptations that will come in this life. And he's providing the instruction and clarity we need so that we can live above it. Now, you tell me another religion that's even a little bit interested in the deepest parts of your humanity and has an overcoming answer for it. I'll wait. Mm -mm. Now, let's get back to Jesus. Here he comes with this giant blast of truth to remind us that, yes, there is a standard. And yes, it is to be upheld. But no, he doesn't expect us to be perfect in our pursuit of it. But our lack of perfection does not negate the existence of the standard. If anything, it gives us room to press towards it. Now, ain't that right, Apostle Paul, sir? Now, here's the second thing that this truth does. It reveals that once again, we're living scripture adjacent, close, but not quite what he said. How many times have we heard growing up in church to try harder? Oh, you fell, you backslid and you're back? Well, pray more, read your Bible, come to church more. Every time the doors are open, you should be here. Try to live right. You got to try to be more like Jesus. You got to try to be a better Christian. You got to try to be righteous. Fam, try is not in the Bible. I promise you one thing about me. I will never, ever, never (laughs) go along with living out a belief or preference that's not in the Bible. I'm never doing that again. It cost me years of ignorance and self-righteousness, thinking that because it sounded Christ-like that it actually was. So here's what happens. We live our lives according to what we're taught by people who teach based on what they were taught. And that's no shade to the teachers, but it's a caution for the hearers to ensure that what we're living out is actually in the Bible. Here's a great way to test this. Roots will always show itself in the fruits. What kind of life are you harvesting based off of what you think and how you live? Because too many of us are in the church, frustrated, spiritually barren, unable to mature because the fruit of our life indicates roots that cannot be found in scripture but instead they're found in some old moral code that is no longer fit for the times we're in. And so because we're not training, we end up abiding by concepts that are failing us. And then we walk away from the faith thinking that what we had was God, when in fact the whole time we were in relationship with a preference or a faulty doctrine. Like what? Yo, it's not, nor has it ever been that Christianity doesn't work. 
It's that we haven't been in the book. We get close enough to feel good about ourselves and what we can do through some of its teachings. So we feel good at what we accomplish, but we stay far away enough from the word to keep it from actually exploding in our lives, revealing our hearts and cultivating the miracle that is transformation of the soul. Here, here's an example to make it plain. Let's take Tyshawn. He's been saved for a few years and he's been serving as an usher in his church, but he struggles with getting drunk and high regularly. So he seeks out help from his church community. And the typical rhetoric is, all right, son, come to church more. Get these hands laid on you. Read your Bible. Pray harder. You got to make a stronger effort to try, son. And he does. But then six months float by. And he keeps falling off the wagon. And every time he does, that guilt and shame of falling punches him in the gut. And to be honest, he's tired of feeling bad about himself, especially when he sees his friends on social media living the life and having a great time. And even some Christian influencers partaking themselves. Now, that's a different podcast for another day, but we're going to talk about that one. Trust me. So back to Tyshawn, what does he do? Then, out of this sense of hopelessness about truly being able to change, he quits. He leaves. He slowly fades away from the faith out of resentment for this standard and anger at his own inability to live it. Completely missing Jesus and what his heart has always been towards him. Does any of this sound familiar? This story and others similar to it are ones that I keep running into over and over again. And this needs to be said again. It is not that Christianity is not true or doesn't work. It's that we are living scripture adjacent, and that will never work. Trying is an effort based off of our own merits. But training uses the tools of the trainer to succeed. This is why we practice. Speaking of practice, number two. Practice makes space for failure. Now, when this first hit me, I was ready to jump out of my skin because it made me remember my early days in middle school when I first got a taste of playing basketball. We had this coach, Mr. O'Lear. His name was Coach O'Lear, and he was hard on us, but he was also cool. But he'd make us shoot free throws, run sprints and drills and do all of that to do what? Prepare us for what was to come and to improve on what was already there. So if my teammates and I missed a shot, a pass, or messed up a play, yeah, there'd be quick disappointment, sure, but guilt and shame over our identity as basketball players? Nah, fam, that was never a thing. Why? Because it's practice. And in practice, there's not an expectation for perfection. There's only an expectation for execution. No, you may not get it right every time. That's okay. But you are going to show up Submit to the process of the repetition and the drills and the plays and the work and the training to improve. So the pressure's off. The pressure's no longer there to get it right every single time. Instead, it's an ongoing process of curiosity, learning, improving, trusting, and following a plan that is leading you towards victory. This is so key because that's what it is in life. As a verb, practice means this, to perform an activity or exercise repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency. 
A second definition of the word is to carry out or perform a particular activity, method, or custom habitually or regularly. This accurately describes the purpose of spiritual disciplines, and this is what Jesus calls on us to do. He says the ones who practice the commands that he gives in his Sermon on the Mount, found in um, Matthew 5, 19 is where he says this, those are the ones who will be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. You know what this shows us? That practice has a path. It leads to God honoring greatness. Paul backs this up in a few more places. You go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. The sentiment of training is even found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. But my favorite, perhaps, is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. He's admonishing one of his sons in the faith, Timothy. And he instructs him, he instructs him to what? Train himself in godliness. Now, here's Paul talking to a young pastor. He doesn't tell him to try harder to get the message of truth out there. He doesn't tell him to get more knowledge or information. He doesn't tell him to open up the doors of the church more often. He tells him to train like an Olympic athlete would. And while he acknowledges the benefit that physical training has on the body for the present time, it's the spiritual training of the soul that will hold promise even for the life that is to come. That's what he says by the time he gets to verse eight. So what does this mean? That practice, it makes space for improvement. I don't have to feel the pressure to be perfect. I just have to show up to practice. Number three, training leads to triumph. The training is what transforms a couch potato into a marathon runner. Training is what turns the just okay singer into a powerhouse. It's what can make a novice a prodigy. Because training implies submission to something beyond ourselves, whereas trying places all of the weight and pressure on us. Now, which path do you think Jesus, the one who took our punishment as his own, which one do you think he'd want for us? Now, hear me healthily. The transformation that we seek so desperately, it lies within the miracle of God's grace. But it's only through training ourselves unto righteousness that the ability for such a change is cultivated. So let me say it this way. We're going to get trained either way. (laughs) We're either going to find ourselves constantly out of control with our emotions and our lives, or we'll operate in wisdom, discernment, and self-control. We're either going to be carnal or Christ-like. Whatever has our attention the most is the trainer of our souls. Again, we are what we love. So if we're looking to overcome, perhaps it's time to quit trying to do better and trying to fix ourselves. We don't have the capacity to do that. And that is good news. It is literally why we have a savior. And it is why if we're trained by his word, his truth and his life, we will triumph in our own. Say la sugar. I'm going to leave with that. More than ever, it's time for us to look again, to reimagine what life could be like with Jesus if we trained under him. Because we'll never float or drift our way towards spiritual growth and joy. That's not natural. That's why when we sing that this joy that I have of Jesus, it's something that the world didn't give because that joy, it's not within worldly reach. The life of a peaceful, unrushed, fully content soul, 
It will belong to the one who makes the grace-filled strides to continue. And when they stumble, get up again and again and say the prayer again and open their Bible again and love their neighbor again and be still in quietness and solitude again. And then get up again and maybe mess up and then get up again and take the shot again. Knowing that they're in a household of fellow trainees willing to encourage, support, and love each other to the end. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our great faith. All right, son, chill out. Reps and sets, fam. It's training season. Well, that is our show. Thank you so much for being with me today. If you're looking for more, soulworkwithson.com is the website. San Pope is the IG. That's S-A-H-N. I'd love to connect with you. Now, please, if this episode blessed you, share it with a friend, will you? And you can subscribe for more free episodes delivered to your device. And leaving a review helps spread the news of the show. Let's heal together, fam. Remember, you're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon. Thank you.